Following a decade working in the New York State craft beer scene, Gabe Barry says moving to Paris was like switching to Lambix after only ever having drunk German Pilsner. Despite her new surroundings, Brooklyn Brewery's education manager for Europe explained one thing remains the same, and that's the power that beer has to be a catalyst for positive social change. For this episode of the Brewers Journal podcast, we join Gabe at the Brewers Lectures in Leeds held at the Northern Monk Refectory. So just before I get started, I do just want to be clear that I am not a sensory scientist, um, just, just to clarify that. Um, I'm actually going to be speaking a little bit more about community, uh, which is also a very sensory side of our world. Uh, but just to be clear, so this, this is me. How's everybody doing? Good? Oh, that was like, I'll, I'll be easy on you. I know it's early. Um, so I will say. There's something between nostalgia and sensory magic in the affect that the smell of brewing has on a community. It's warming, it's a feeling of ease while also being inviting. The smell of the mash and brewing in general is something that is almost universally associated with bread, soft barley driven aromatics, something that can become a feeling of home. I think most of us are familiar with the limbic system, sensory for you, the place in our brain where we store our memories and therefore our emotions, and a powerful element in sensory training, but also just as much in our everyday lives. When you're first introduced and therefore generally intrigued to the smell of brewing, it's hard to not become fascinated with some other part of brewing. Whether it's the brewery itself that has a tendency to become a bit of a community hub, where you're just as likely to run into someone having a pint that you know, your mate from down the street, or you're just as likely to be in a fundraiser for homeless cats and dogs, or perhaps a town hall meeting on how to pick up trash out of a canal. Before I go too much further, I am Gabe Barry. I'm the education manager for Brooklyn Brewery of Europe. Like so many of, I'm sure, the people in this room, my job has a lot of different facets. Uh, education on multi-different levels of the industry as a whole. Internal team building with our amazing team of ambassadors who makes up our global team. And of course, talking to people who make beer, drink beer, and talk about beer. So, AKA, building community. This is the third job title that I've had with Brooklyn and the third time that I've written the job itself. Uh, I think that's something I've been kind of become incredibly passionate about, which is helping other people write their job that they want to have in the craft beer industry. Beer is the oldest beverage, something we just had a wonderful setup for this. Beer is a very old beverage, but craft as we know it today is kind of young. And it's important that we, as the professionals in this industry, help fill the hole in building the community that we want to be a part of. As an educator, I think that one-on-one -on -one mentorship is one of the best ways to develop a skill set. And I use my own story as a reminder that building a community begins with your own relationship to yourself. Learning about your strengths while you look at the overarching needs of the industry as a whole is a good way to pivot your skill sets while also supporting your own mental health. I think it's incredibly important to acknowledge that your own mental health is just as important as getting the geometry of how to fit your next set of serving tanks into the expansion of your brewery. Just saying, your own mental health is just as important as the next thing on the top of your to-do list. So I'd like to take today, the next 20 minutes or so, to explore some of the ways that beer has impacted community today, yesterday, and potentially some things we might see for tomorrow. 
I'd also like to set up some agreed upon truths about the history of beer and people. I'd like to share a few ideas about what I have, some ideas I have about how this era of beer ties into patterns that we see in the past. As we've mentioned and has established, beer is one of the oldest beverages known to humankind, but when we talk about craft beer today, it's a very young industry, and we're in a moment where all of the greats, many of the greats of this industry that we're in now, we're in now are still here amongst us. And we've seen that the industry is changing rapidly, five years, 10 years, and it's proven to continue to change daily. And I think that what in, whatever industry you're in, we can agree as civilization, it's a human truth, that we must look to where we've been before we can look to where we're going. Almost daily, we see people in the brewing industry advocating on local levels for fair taxation, licensing, building healthy supply chains for getting our beer in, getting our ingredients in, and getting all of that out as well. We are also making sure that we're working on increasing the visibility for underrepresented communities within the industry. The world is super big for us to build, and every community around the world has their own way in which they need to grow. But the time is here for letting breweries continue their intentionally driven growth to being a synergetic element for social change locally as well as globally. A lot of this is frankly, as my mentor Garrett Oliver would say, a return to normality in the way that beer has always been. Times are really weird, guys. Times are tough. Um, but I'm pretty sure that we actually might be in another episode of how beer saved the world again. We've already established the truth that beer is an old-ass beverage, present pretty much since the Donald civilization. The Tigris and Euphrates, Hampton and Kasi, Hammurabi's Cove, the evolution of nomadic culture into settled people. I'm gonna go out on a limb and gather that all of us here kind of are familiar with those stories. Also, as an established truth, I'm a nerd. <laughs> I sit around and I think about moments in beer history. What is happening in beer today reminds me so much of the early to late 1800s here in the UK as well as globally. I think, you know, what's happening today reminds me of that time period because we, we see from that technology and adjacent industries tying into the growth of establishing the beer industry as a whole. We saw the industrial revolution weaving beer production into its elements with the technology that was being developed. We saw the thermometer, the hydrometer, glass, black patent mall, all of these pieces of technology become why beer is present in most elements of history in the world. Thanks to colonizing powers, we continue to spread that all throughout the modernized world, developing into different corners of the globe. From the coveted IPA origin story on Burton-on-Trent to my beloved borough of Brooklyn, where we saw English, Polish, and German settlers make that borough a brewing hub of pre-prohibition United States, where 10% of the beer that was produced in the United States at that time all came out of Brooklyn. Today, we see modern brewers doing kind of the same thing. We're taking technology to, again, make our beers better and to make them more sustainable. We're reintroducing bacteria into our beers after hundreds of years of trying to keep it out and borrowing advancements from food science and other adjacent science to industries to help us do so. We've woken up to our economic impact and being aware of the carbon footprint involved with shipping our beer, shipping our ingredients, and shipping ourselves. Much like the past, beer's back. It's in its rightful place at the center of community. A while back, I started for traveling for beer 
And people around the world would always ask me, like, like they would explain their beer communities as if they had so much to like grow into, to the number of breweries that the United States has at this moment per capita. Well, in some ways, yes, the states might have more breweries, but we lack a historical context for alcohol and beer that made our revolution accelerate at a very, very different pace. We in the States, we're a young country, and our relationship to alcohol and flavor as a whole is something that had to be established right alongside our revolution. What took us 50 years is something that many communities around the world are able to get to in five, 10 years. And due to a historical context of pubs and beer as the center of life and the relationship to food and flavor as a whole. Granted that everybody has their own relationship to culture and food by definition, that is what defines individual culture, places like Italy and France have a completely different relationship to food and culture than we would say here in the UK or in Nordic countries. But for some reason, the relationship of beer has allowed the different communities of flavor to communicate in a way that somehow brings us together, giving us something that we all have in common. Sometimes I wake myself up in the middle of the night <laughs> being so excited about the fact that beer and community is something that we need to have in common for so quite some time. We're in really shaky times, environmentally and politically, and more than ever, we need to celebrate the power of spaces where we can come together at its most simple root. That is the power that positive craft beer and craft beer positively has on community. I started working in craft in 2008. When the economy was collapsing and in the States and around other communities in the world. I've talked about this year with a mate who's a, a, a beer educator in Australia, and he has the exact same story of how beer played a direct role into the humanization of communities affected by economic collapse. One thing does not change when money is down. You always find money to go to the pub. You might make financial choices about your clothes or your vacations, but when it comes to the pub, a place where you can go in and you can have an interaction with a friend or a stranger that gives you a little bit of energy to go deal with the bullshit that's awaiting you tomorrow, you find those extra pounds. Here, as I mentioned, in 2008, we saw this happening in leaps and bounds. We saw restaurants and large factories closing all around us. Life was looking pretty grim and employment rates were skyrocketing. But then two things happened in November of 2008. Obama was elected. Hey. Sorry. And then we started to see brew pubs and breweries doing really well in an ocean of failing businesses. We saw that profit mar margins for producing our own beer, paired with the fact that bar businesses were actually doing incredibly well, it meant that numbers were up. People were broke and sometimes sad, and they did not want to sit at home. But we noticed that something that was kind of different than any other recession that we had seen in the United States and globally before was that something was be happening between bartenders and brewers and drinkers. People gave a fuck, sorry. We were telling stories. We were learning about styles and history and other breweries around the United States were having that same moment. Other breweries around the world were having this moment. Social media was in its infancy, but there was a crazy level of excitement that was buzzing around. We started to see that there was also this potential for all of this to tie in together and, and help pull us out of an economic downturn. Farmers had a need to sell crops. 
brewers needed those crops to make beers. Beers and breweries would eventually create jobs, and then through these jobs, we could potentially, I don't know, increase the usage of regional supplies on a local level. We had this use of multifaceted healing power of beer that we had read about in things like Saison in, in Belgium as a utility element of, to be drank by farmers or just simply Russian imperial stout and what that played in the modernization of the late 1800s. We saw that we could use the healing power of beer to change the world. Clearly, that wasn't exactly how it played out, but here we are telling that story. Another element of today that reminds me of the past is the way that we've moved back to the hyper-localization when it comes to beer. Every town has their own brewery, and in certain communities, every block has their own. Like many in this room, I'm sure, I love the great Michael Jackson, whose writing of the 1980s and 90s helped us to create and essentially understand where beer styles became <coughs> what we would talk about when it came to beer. Michael helped us develop the first linguistical ocean and help us talk about beer. We started to grasp the way that beer was essentially a hyper-localized form of art and social norms in action. Something that would fall out of this would trigger beer tourism, beer hunters, eventually contributing to the regionality of styles across the world. Think New England IPA or Florida Vice. Well, it continues to blow my mind that I can get a New England IPA anywhere from Sweden to Japan the fact of the matter is that regionality both defines us and it also unifies us as a community of beer makers and beer drinkers. With my parallels very clearly drawn with the past and the now, I want to return to the section of human truths and remind us that we're looking at the way in which craft beer impacts community. These days, it's amazing to look around and see the demographic of beer drinkers changing from the physical beverages themselves to the who of the drinker. It's not that the circle is getting smaller and that anyone is getting pushed out, but instead we're seeing the power of any basic understanding of how social change happens. We're using community spaces as a platform for other agendas. And the fact that we can have a festival where we go from a technical lecture about the Truman's cool ship into something that could essentially be applied into many different industries of social change and social justice is the power of the fact of why craft beer reaches something in different places in our world that a lot of other industries do not allow for. We see the power growing, and we see it happening in three main arenas. Number one, using individual beers as a tool and partners to reach other organizations or speak to other needs to make our breweries more economically, socially, and environmentally holistic parts of the communities they serve, and to increase visibility and advocacy to grow and diversify the industry. Starting at the top, I had to really struggle to whittle down my list of just a few examples of the amazing beers that we as a community are making that can be used as tools for specific causes. Look at the project of Toast and Hackney Brewing, giving 100% proceeds proceeds to food waste charities. Or every single beer made by the Queer Brewing Project that donates to a different LBGTQ organization in need, all the way to March 9th, International Women's Collab Brew Day, where women identified people all around the, beer, all around the world brew beers raising awareness, I'm sorry, but for non-cis dudes in the industry. My last example hits a little close to home, Brooklyn Brewery's partnership with Stonewall Inn, one of the birthplaces of queer civil rights in the world. 
Together with the Stonewall Inn Gives Back initiative, we've positioned Stonewall Inn IPA as a, a tactic of advocacy and support for the LBGTQ community, not only in New York City, where this beer was born, but in every corner of the world where queers and marginalized communities need support. From letting the story tell the story of the riots on June in 1969, a day when trans women of color finally fought back, to letting it be used as a mouthpiece for other LBGTQ activists and be heard in the face of oppression today, this beer is single-handedly intended to be a tool for social change. Touching on the second arena, I think the fact that we're in this gathering of minds right here, sharing our wins, sharing our losses, things that we've learned along the way, is a testament to the baseline level of support that we as an industry are committed to providing each other on an internalized and local level for the communities that we are a part of. We as beer makers, beer drinkers, beer salespeople, we are committed to taking this industry and letting it be the glue in the communities we are a part of, and then as well on a local level. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not really interested in ankle biting or internal drama. That's not a part of the world that I wanna be a part of. On a more practical application of this second arena of finding our holistic places of where we connect with our communities, I've mentioned a few times I'm a New Yorker. So to speak from a holistic place of direct economic tie-in, New York is still my home turf. I mentioned briefly a while back that the upstate New York region is actually made up of acres and acres of farmlands that used to actually grow grains and hops. Pre-prohibition, uh, about a large amount of the hops that were grown in the United States were actually all grown in Madison County, the region where I'm actually from, about four hours upstate from Syracuse. The grains that were grown in New York State were actually specifically rye. And rye, although there has not been the, 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 the partnership, the financial side of farmers and any kind of economic return for hundreds of years, rye has become something that's used as a burial crop, something that's become used to turn the soil to be able to grow and make profit off of something else. Starting in 2000, 2012, the New York State Brewers Association has been working on strengthening the relationship of farmers to brewers through the Farm Brewery License, based originally on the 1976 Farm Winery Act. Currently, more than 20% hops and 20% of other ingredients have to be used in New York State to qualify for the farm brewery licensing. The goal is by 2024 to have it up to 90% of New York State ingredients, creating the rebuilding of the economy on a state level. Whenever this topic comes up, no matter where I am in the world, there's always one human who gets brought up, and that's Jason Stoller from Strong Rope Brewery in Brooklyn. While many of us have worked hard on this initiative, Jason was one of the first New York State breweries to focus not only on using New York State ingredients, but making and developing the relationships with farmers to make the business a sustainable model. Feedback on hop bailing to make sure that we're not accepting moldy hops. Feedback on what were grains and varietals that New York State breweries wanted to use within the environmental resources that were able to be possible in the state of New York. And Jason also brewed really good New York State beers while building these relationships as well. Something I think we all have to wrap our heads around is that to reach 90, the 90% 90 goal by 2024, that cannot happen without the relationship between farmers and breweries. It can't exist. Wrapping it up, uh, kind of touching in on that last wrap, uh, a third arena for today's relationships to craft beer, it's the context to community and diversifying our industry and act actively working on visibility, mentorship, 
and supporting things for people who don't see themselves represented yet in the industry. When, I, when Tim asked me to speak on this panel, I was really excited uh, because more often than not, unfortunately, people still ask women to just be on panels about women in beer, which is like really cool, but it's sometimes better to get a chance to talk about the things that we actually do on a day-to-day -day job. Because believe it or not, I don't just walk around every day talking about what it's like to be a woman in beer. But while we're on the topic, <laughs> I, and I would say that's arguably something that we could apply to a passionate speech about a lot of different industries in this world, but right now we're just talking about beer. Um, so while we have grown leaps and bounds as an industry, there's still a lot of work that we have to do, and it extends outside of that basic understanding of women in beer. We have work to do when it comes to inclusion of trans identities, different class, education levels, communities of color as we build towards our future. There's pretty much only one thing that we all have to do on this one. It's just one thing. We all have to try. Show up for your fellow community members and not just at that new hazy IPA release party. <laughs> Donate to organizations that help us grow the industry and frankly, in some people's cases, talk a little bit less. Create space for someone else's voice to be heard. Hopefully, as we've established today with our human truths, beer is something that's been present and humming in communities all around the world, frankly, for centuries. Where there's beer, there's people. Where there's people, there's community. Let's use beer what we've done in many other instances for the past hundreds of years to let beer not only save, but to change the world. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. Thank you. <laughs> the Brewers Journal podcast is a production by Reby Media. Editing and sound design by Ross McPherson. The Brewers Journal is edited by Tim Sheehan. Fully refundable tickets are now available for the Brewers Congress being held in London in December this year. Go to congress.brewersjournal.info to find out more.